Hello and welcome to the Uncapped Podcast, proudly presented by Roast House Pub, where elevated culinary creations meet a fresh, evolving craft beer selection, making it one of Frederick's unique dining destinations. Hello, I'm your host, Chris Sands. Today, I'm out in Columbia, Maryland at Black Flag Brewing Company with Brian Gaylor after, I would say, what, years of harassment at this point? Yeah, we just had our third year anniversary, and I feel like uh, it's we've been de- delaying this for about three years. Yeah, in, in um, under constant uh, harassment from me. <laughs> so I'd say you, you may be here under slight duress. <laughs> I can't confirm or deny. <laughs> it's so... Um, and we start almost all these episodes the uh, same way. Um, so it's just, let's get a little bit about of your background. Um, what were you doing before Black Flag? Um, how did Black Flag come to be? Sure. So I think uh, it's a pretty common story. The more breweries I go to, the more people seem to have not an identical story, but a very similar one. Uh, I used to work in IT. Uh, that is a common, <laughs> one of the, I'd say there are like three common professions. There's IT. Uh, engineering and um, finance. Right. Those right. seem to be the three areas where people wanted to escape. From. Two of the three, I definitely get the engineering and the IT. It's a very hands on thing, and you know, you can easily transition that into a, a very expensive brewing hobby, putting stuff together <laughs> and shoehorning stuff and making all your stuff in, in your basement. So I kind of get that. But it seems like uh, even locally, yeah, there's a bunch of them. And then when I, I used to travel all the time for work, I'd always try and stop into breweries. And whenever I would speak to the the founders, a lot of them were just leaving IT and they hated their computer like desk job. I mean, that, that's uh, that's mainly what I do. At, that's my job at the newspaper. Right. So my way of escaping it was just to start talking to people right, about right, brewing and right, drinking. So right. I can It's an easy a, transition. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's an easy sell. But uh, Black Black started uh, three years ago back in uh, 2016. Uh, we opened it in the summer of 2016. Uh, we had a very long and troubled build out, but uh, we were happy when we were also good a to common go. theme. Yes, yeah. <laughs> uh, everybody always has, uh, you know, the goals that they post on Facebook, and eventually, I just learned to keep my mouth shut. And I was like, <laughs> if you want to know when we open, follow the inspectors page for Howard County, and you can see when we get a liquor's license or oh, our plumbing works now. That's good. So was it mainly the construction process of it that took so long, or even just the the alcohol aspect of it that honestly the alcohol aspect was the easiest part so our initial problem early on was we we signed on the space very early and we had some uh, some landlord issues with the landlord just getting the building into a, a fashion that they could legally hand it over to us and we could come in and start so we had crews waiting we had equipment in here the door didn't even have a lock if, if you could somehow pick up a 2,000 pound brewing tank you could have come in here and taken all of our equipment <laughs> uh, so a lot of times I would like drive by here at like one in the morning and peek my head in but luckily nothing was stolen which is good um, but we're yeah we're finally open and uh, yeah the probably the hardest part to date was the build out and kind of managing that and the expectations with people that are following you and you know all the staff you said oh we're gonna have a paying job for you in June and then it ships back like 19 times so we're you were I mean, even though you're fairly new, mm-hmm. I mean, you're still one of the oldest in the county, correct? Yeah, so I jailbreak... Um, they were like two years, or no, this is her sixth or seventh their, year. I want to say it's their fifth anniversary yeah. coming up this fall. That sounds um, close enough to correct. Fifth or sixth, yeah. so they beat us by about uh, probably three, three years, um, two to three years. I just remember I had the idea, I was like, oh, I'll be... Uh, at first, the thought was Howard County's first first brewery. Um, 
I didn't do a lot of digging. There might be like a brew pub that was here at some point. I know there was like a Rocky Run brew pub. I don't know if they actually made their own beer yeah. or not. Um, but the goal was to be Howard County's first. And then I think it was Jailbreak and then... Pub Dog. Uh, what was but, the one? It, it's, it was going to be in the space that Hysteria is in now. They had... Um, shoot, what was it called? I don't remember. I know there was the one that was also supposed to be where Sapwood is. Yeah, there, there was kind of two phantom breweries that popped up. And one was the one that was going to be in Hysteria's old space. And they signed the, the lease and they were going to have this big, huge system. And it was actually Hysteria's place plus Dark, Lost Ark plus uh, the place next to them. So it was going to be this massive brewery. And then they never materialized. And then there was Bulkhead. And they all kind of announced at the same time. And I was like, it kind of like rained on my parade a little bit. I was like, I, 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 I got to get this going. <laughs> so we didn't get to be Howard County's first, but we did get to be Columbia's first, technically. And by the, so by a year, you were by yourself for a year. Mm-hmm. Um, have you found that the other ones uh, opening locally, has that helped you? I think it has overall. It, it's hard to say because when we open, your demand is, is lower and then you open and it builds up and builds up. Now, I can't say, oh, if they didn't appear, it would have gone faster or slower. So yeah. it, it's still growing, but I think it's also opening up Columbia to people uh, who might not live right around here and they'll make the trip out. Um, you know, everybody drives from here to Frederick because there's, you can, you can stand at one brewery and hit another with a rock and you can yeah. spend a day out there and it's fun and it's like an attraction. Like one brewery, unless it's super well known, might not be an attraction, but when you get a, a, like a cluster of them. Um, so I think we might be starting to see some of that. And a lot of times I'll, I'll be in here for a bit working and then I'll hop over to Asteria or Sapwood and the people I saw here, I see there. So um, it's, I think there's a healthy rotation. Going yeah, on. you see the same thing. You see at, the same people at Frederick yep. all the time. Yep. Like I'll, if I'm, we go out, we'll usually hit like three or four breweries. Yeah, and it's, it's almost the. It's like, kind of awkward. It's like when, when when you leave a place and you say bye, and then you walk with each other to the same next yeah. place, and it's like I don't know what to, I don't know what to say right now. Because yeah, you, all three of you, are really close to each other. Too. We are. Uh, you, well, you you could walk to Hysteria from here. Um, Sapwood's a little bit further, and then Jailbreak is, uh, you know, maybe a ten minute drive without yeah. traffic. It's not far. I would say my favorite um, new addition to here is the light at your intersection. To yes, get. you can you can leave <laughs> and enter here much much safer. Before it was a little bit of a Mad Max thing because uh, Snowden River Parkway can get kind of busy at certain times and turning left out of here was a lost cause eventually i just started finding stuff to do that involved me turning right i just let that run my life but now that we have have a light in there and you know you can there you were can yeah i always took two approaches one i would just make a right and turn around you make yep. a u-turn somewhere yep. or i would just close my eyes and make a left yep. and hope for that, the best yeah, i think that was the feedback the county got so uh we have a light now it, it, it's big steps third year anniversary we have a traffic light <laughs> By fourth year, we hope to have a sign out by the road. We're working on that one now, so people know we're back here. Are there strict rules in? There were, uh, or that's. I guess there still are. Uh, our old landlord told us we couldn't have a sign out there, and then the first thing the new landlord is doing is putting in a sign. So, who knows? Apparently, the old landlord just did not want a sign. Yeah, apparently signs are expensive, so I, 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 get, I get that. I get that. I know in in Frederick they're pretty tight. Regulations on yeah, so in Columbia, size I get it. of building, how like the right. distance from like it, and our sign that's actually on the building, uh, they figure out how much square footage you have, and based on that, it determines how big your sign yeah. is. And I get that they don't want it to look like downtown Vegas or something, but at the same time, it, I feel like in Columbia, one of the issues is 
a lot of times you'll, you'll hear a notice about, oh, this business is going out of business, and you had no idea it was there, because it's, it's nice not to see all the big flashing signs everywhere, but at the same time, you don't know where anything is unless you live right next to it. Yeah, I've definitely had that happen in, in Frederick, too. Like right. you, There will be some posts, like, people devastated that something's closing. Right. Like, yeah. Oh, I, I didn't I, know I, it was open. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. So I guess, I, I guess it saves me from being upset. <laughs> <laughs> That's one way to look at it. Um, all right, so you were working, what kind of IT did you do? So it was like financial services IT, which it's not the most exciting thing to talk about. I was so going like, to say, is that as, as sexy as it sounds? It is exactly as sexy <laughs> as it sounds. So like I, uh, back in the day, I would help, uh, I was contracted out to certain government agencies. So like when the FDIC would close down a bank, I would be there handling all the data. Um, I also worked with the SBA, um, stuff like that. Okay. So uh, I'm, I'm going to guess that the, when an the FDIC was shutting down a bank, the, the people weren't exactly cooperative for you to work with. No, them. it's it's uh, I, I run into a happier crowd on, on this side of the bar than <laughs> I, I would at a bank that we were trying to close down. So it's uh, it's I guess the way that that I, I framed it was I'd rather be, you know, the best part of someone's day than the absolute worst. So that's been <laughs> the upside of, of, of the brewing gig. All right, so your job sucked. Yes. Um, did uh, during that time were you homebrewing? I was, yeah. So um, I started homebrewing back in college. Um, so a little bit before all that started, just you know, in our dorm room, uh, spilling stuff all over our stove, and the, the the place would just reek. It smelled like somebody threw a rager in there, which which they may have the night before, but it smelled worse because because of all the stuff I would spill on the stove. Um, and then I kept that going. You know, I started with the, you know, I went over to Maryland Homebrew, got the, got the extract kit where it's pretty much as simple as making brownies. You just stir the stuff together, yeah. and it's kind of like step one. And you're like, all right, well, let's just try this. It'll be a gag. I'll do it once. And then it kind of spiraled out. Like, that's when kind of the IT hands-on stuff took over. I was like, oh, well, I could make something to do this. And, it's like, and then you start doing the all-grain batches, and you get more options, and you can make all this equipment and controllers and this and that, and it kind of sucks you in. So how was that first batch? Oh, it was terrible. Um, I think my goal at the time was to make, and I feel like this is everybody's goal, oh, I'm going to make something kind of like Blue Moon, but not. I'm going to put my spin on it, and my spin was to make it terrible. <laughs> so <laughs> so uh, my friends drank it because it was free, um, and Probably some of them weren't even 21, so they were happy to get whatever they could, but it tasted absolutely terrible. Just imagine, like, Blue Moon, but fermented in a dorm room closet where they haven't turned on the AC yet, and it was, like, May or June. Yeah, that doesn't sound appealing. No, no, we haven't tried to recreate that one. There's a couple <laughs> recipes I like to, to bring out of the, the closet. Not that closet, but the closet, um, and it, that's not going to be one of them. So when you started Black Flag, is it just you or do you have partners? So we have investors. I'll, I'm the one here, I guess, day to day kind of running okay. things. Uh, but we did bring on some extra extra investors who helped me out because I, I was definitely uh, a little short on the money side of things when mm -hmm. we were starting out. So more like silent investors. Right, They're not right. involved in the... Right, right. Okay. They come in, they get their free drinks, they get their <laughs> check once a year if we make any money. And that's kind of the end of the story. So actually, I've, I've never asked this question. That Does... Do they count as founders, or are you are you the only person who's a founder? I I don't even know. Is there like a legal definition of founder? Or like a, I have no idea. I know when I fill out forms, I'm the managing member, and they're members. Just from that, okay. yeah, like the, the boring legal definition of it. But uh, I guess founder and investors. I don't know. That's a hard one. 
Because I kind of feel like founder should is like the person who's actually there, right, right, doing right. the day to day, had right. the vision, wrote the business plan, right, right. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. Yeah, I guess if I was one of the first people to invest in Google, I wouldn't say I founded Google. Yeah, <laughs> or you may, maybe you would, but oh, then you I, would just I would be... say that at parties, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and see how that did for me. But yeah. So when um, Black Flag first opened, were you doing the brewing, had you, or did you hire a we, brewer we hired, right away? We hired somebody right away. Um, we hired a brewer and an assistant right away, and I was here. And there was three of us, and we kind of all did a little bit of everything. Um, I was pretty much in the back brewing and, and helping back there, um, you know, eight, 8 to 3, and then I would run home try to not smell terrible and then come back and then bartend from four to whenever we closed. <laughs> so for the first, uh, the first year I was, I guess I was here 12 to 15 hours a day. And luckily the, 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 the first thing I was able to drop was the last bartending shift I had regularly was our first year anniversary party. And after that I've, I bartended here or there if somebody's sick, but I'm kind of back into like a normal so schedule. What was the more exciting moment opening day or the day when Black Flag was doing well enough that you could hire people where you didn't have to do everything? Oh, the second one easily. Like, <laughs> I barely remember the first one. Like, there's pictures, and I just don't even remember it. Yeah, I, that in the exhaustion from uh, both right. mental and physical leading yeah, that, up to that. That and, was the weird part, because it's like there's this... There, there's like this pinnacle they're putting you on like oh it's opening day this is like the peak i was like no this is like the bottom like yeah. <laughs> there's like different peaks and all that but uh everyone's like oh it's such a big accomplishment and i was like oh i haven't even started yet like we, we got to get through this first year and all this so just from all the build out and all the brewing and leading up to that and then you open and your beers aren't as good as you were hoping on day one and uh it was just such like like a blur that i'm i'm much happier where we are now where we've kind of had a chance to to grow into things figure stuff out um and i can kind of focus on what's important rather than trying to take care of literally everything and, um let's take a we're going to take a real quick break thank uh roast house pub for their uh, continued support of the podcast um and then when we get back we'll uh go into where the name came from and a little bit about what it was like when you first opened Uncapped is brought to you by one of Frederick's original Maryland craft beer destinations, located off of Urbana Pike, featuring a warm, inviting atmosphere and knowledgeable staff serving up fresh, locally sourced culinary creations and unique craft beers on tap. Open seven days a week, our friends at Roast House Pub invite you to enjoy a casual lunch, happy hour specials, delicious dinners, and specialty desserts. Follow them on social media to keep up to date on their monthly beer dinners, mom's spaghetti dinner battles, and what beer is being featured for Buck Above Monday? So you had said that um, the beers weren't a as good as you had hoped for. Right. Um, were they just not as good? Were they bad? Or We never had one we had to dump. Um, but, you know, I feel like you have this vision and, you know, you're doing stuff. You, you dial it in perfectly on, on your small little test system. You're handing out to investors and this and that and your family and... You, you fire up the big system for the first time and you got to jump through a few hurdles and it took us a little longer than I would want to admit to get that dialed in but I'm happy to say we're happy with 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 what we're doing now and, and uh, we feel like we have a good handle on it um do you think that it would be harder to open a brewery now I think it would really depend on the area because I feel like there's certain areas that are very much underserved and then there's areas kind of like Columbia where it's like oh it's starting to become 
uh, I don't know if destination is the right word, but an area where you can hit a couple breweries and, you know, make a day of it. Um, and then there's areas that it's kind of like, is there a saturation point that is that area hitting it? But I, I think if your goal was to open a brewery in the state of Maryland, you could find a spot and be completely okay, depending on what your goals are. Um, I feel like back in the day, if somebody had the dream of opening a brewery in 1995, they were probably trying to be, you know, what Sam Adams was or Sierra Nevada. They wanted to be that they wanted their beer to be in every bar nationwide. Mass appeal. Yeah. So if as long, as long as your your dream is kind of in line with where the economy's going, where the beer scene is going, I think you you can make a go of it. I think small breweries are now a lot more feasible than they used to. I think people are more apt to going into tap rooms. Um, when we first started, uh, or when I first started putting together the business plan for this, I briefly considered you know a nano brewery idea, like if I couldn't get the funds together. And I, th- the more I dug into it, the more ridiculous it seemed. That oh, you can't rely completely on a tap room. That's ridiculous. Blah blah blah. Um, you can't get by with a little tiny system. And in hindsight, I think we could have. It would have been very different than what we have going yeah. now. Um, but I, I, I think you know the beer scene is changing all the time. And as long as you're, you know, cognizant of that and, you know, you can size your dream up or down a little bit to fit where things are going, I think there's still room. And what about from a, like, quality at opening standpoint? Do you think that because of the saturation of um, good breweries that, do you you feel like consumers are less forgiving of... Oh, absolutely. Um, Because, I mean, like, even... Columbia, for example, if you were, I mean, you have three breweries Mm -hmm. within pretty close to walking distance of each other that are all making really good beer. If another one opened that was subpar, would they still get a year, six months to a year to get things worked out? It would be tougher for sure um, because you can't help but make comparisons. Um, And, you know, let's say we opened and we we were the only show in town. And, you know, if you just wanted to go to a place that, you know, it wasn't a chain restaurant or something and you just wanted to come into a brewery and you just didn't care what it was. There was plenty of breweries that got by. Like I've traveled all around and you could always tell, oh, this town has a brewery and you would go there and you could tell kind of that, you know, okay, there, there's not competition here because some of these yeah. just weren't, weren't really passing. Um, but I think the more, the more you get, that's going to be kind of the barrier to entry um, is that, you know, depending on where you are and what styles you're looking at, the kind of the bar is set for quality. And if you come in where, you know, it's hard for a new brewery to come in spitting out perfect stuff. Um, So it's going to be harder the more and more of them pop up. You know, the closer your neighbors are, if they're making good beer, it's going to be harder for you to really retain the customer base. Yeah, I know I would definitely be hesitant to open a brewery in Frederick right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of good beer out there. Um, So it's going to be hard to really stand out. Baltimore is definitely going to be getting harder and harder. Mm -hmm. So... That I would, from from looking from the outside and as a consumer, I would think it would be exponentially harder now right. to open a brewery. Yes, I I think it would be harder. And then you, you're really going to have to worry about quality. And then beyond quality, like how much do you want to chase, follow, and set trends? Because I've seen in the news, not so much in Maryland, but... Um, just kind of around the country, you see these breweries closing that I've, I've been to, I hear people talk about, but they're not really going, they're on the smaller scale so that they don't have that national backbone to lean on, but they're focusing on kind of traditional beers and not wanting to vary out of that at all. Um, 
so I think the more that comes up and the, the more people want to chase trends, it's going to be harder for, for new and existing breweries that don't really want to change and follow what the, what the consumer is wanting to, wanting to drink. So you think not chasing after trends, it would be very detrimental to, it would definitely to f- that on, smaller size on, of a brewery. On the small scale, yeah. Um, you know, maybe, you know, the trends change so often. Uh, there's some that seem to be changing slower than, than others. But, you know, if you wanted to open, like, so, sometimes there, there's room for somebody to completely buck that trend. Um, like, if, if somebody opened, like, a lager-only brewery in Frederick, that would probably catch enough people that just aren't being served by the, yeah, by the other ones. Yeah, because it's different enough. Yeah, then. yeah. But for the most part, there, there's some breweries that have, I feel like a lot of brew pubs opened in the late 90s, early, mid-2000s where they just kind of it's almost like they're using it as a gimmick and i think those are kind of going to go under um or go away slightly yeah because and because a lot of them i mean there are definitely some that make a really good beer yes but a lot of them just using it as like another like revenue stream like oh well we already have a restaurant license beer seems to be the cool thing let's put in some fermenters and hire some guy to come by once a week and do some stuff and oh look now we have beer and i feel like the, the bar is just being raised on, on so many fronts. Um, and if, if you're not putting the time into it to really know what the consumer wants, um, and that doesn't have to be chasing trends. You just have to know what the consumer wants and how many of them want it. Cause you, you could, uh, you, you could get by doing stuff that's very against trend right now. Um, but you just have to scale it to, you know, what the demand is. Yeah. Um, so where did the name black flag come from? So Black Flag was, uh, we were searching for a name, and we kept running into, oh, that's already taken. I think when we were going through the process. I feel process, like that's another reason why opening a brewery yeah, no, right now gonna, would be really good. hard. It's not only hard to open a brewery, it's hard to name a beer. Yeah. So you got to come up with all these, like, ridiculous names um, or just hope that, you know, you, you put out something. And somebody who used that name once in 1998 in California doesn't mind that your yeah. beer is now called the same thing, which they normally don't. Um, but the name came from, we were, we were searching for a name, had trouble coming up with something. We just wanted something, you know, simple, easy to say, easy to remember. Um, and we had the idea of this flag and for the flag, if you flew a black flag back in the day, you weren't really affiliated with anybody. So you were just off doing your own thing. You didn't answer anybody, whether it was a country, a group, a government, whatever you were just, you flew that. It meant you were on your own doing whatever you want. And that's kind of what we want to do in the tap room. Um, we have a you know a handful of beers that we continue to make, but then you know and anybody can bring up an idea for a beer, no matter how straightforward or ridiculous it is, whether it's bartenders, brewers, salespeople, etc. Um, we'll just make really what we're feeling that that day. I mean, that's a a good idea, because right. well, especially for ideas from bartenders. I yeah, because they're they the are, ones. Yeah, they're the ones that get the feedback good, often. Bad and different, random, <laughs> drunk, sober. They get all all the words, and I I, I trust what you know, a bartender is being told more than I would trust, you know, a Yelp page. So yeah. I'm, or even what you're being told. I mean, right. Cause pe- I, yeah, people are much more likely to be honest to the person right. that, than like than to the owner. When we opened, uh, everybody that came in, like the, the investors, my mom was like, Oh, this is so great. And I was like, you don't even like beer. <laughs> <laughs> I, I saw a hilarious meme this morning, <laughs> completely off topic, but it was just, um, uh, today I waited on a woman who came in, specifically asked to be seated in my section, told my manager I was the best waiter they'd ever had, left me a humongous tip and a five-star review. I highly recommend everyone have their mother come to their restaurant. <laughs> yeah. 
Unfortunately, my mom doesn't have untapped, but uh, <laughs> that, would, that, that would have helped the opening a little bit. So do you pay attention to untapped? I do. Like, I'll, I'll check in. Um, I try not to do it like the day of. I kind of let enough reviews come in. And then if, if I'm personal, because sometimes we'll release stuff that, you know, I love the style. I love how it turned out. Sometimes I'm not into the style. So I don't really have a, a big, like a good basis point to judge it um, other than technical faults. Uh, but a lot of times it's like, oh, we're trying something new. Let's see how people react. Like, I know how everybody reacts internally, um, you know, especially when you have like series of beers like we put out a, a hazy series like we have choice nugs deck nugs endo haze like the, the rotating series of you know we know you're gonna if you like one you're probably gonna like the other but every time we try and tweak like a different facet of it to improve on the previous version um so stuff like that you kind of like to see how it's being received um but the problem with like un untapped is there's not really like a, a coordinated rating system so you know somebody will say i love it two stars yeah somebody says I would not order this again, four stars. And it, it just kind of, you can look into, I look more into the comments, like, oh, I like this about it, or, oh, this was too much, or this. Like and specifically I, spelling out a uh, off-flavor, yeah, right, or right. what about the beer specifically that was really good. Right, right. I feel like a lot of, there, there's enough of the ones where it's just like automatically five stars or one stars, and it just kind of, I focus more on, on, on the comments. Have you ever been attacked personally in a untapped review? Not that I've seen. <laughs> I might have to Google that one later. Yeah, I, I only bring that up, and this will be kind of repetitive because I, I talked about it in an episode we already recorded but isn't going to come out for a little mm -hmm. while. But I'll bring it up again since you brought up Untapped. Um, but so a week or two ago, um, someone had asked me about beach drink, how the beach drink reception was. Right. Um, a beer I did with True Respite, who has my face on the can, um, and the review was pretty good. The strawberry didn't really pop out as much as the lemonade did. The dude on the front of the can has never been laid. <laughs> That's fun. <So, laughs> I mean, I got a good chuckle out of it. All of my friends got a really, really good <laughs> chuckle out of it. So, I mean, if you've never been personally attacked on Untapped, you're doing good. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no personal attacks. Uh, no, nobody's like shown up at my door, like throwing tomatoes or, or, or anything like that. Um, I guess I like I feel like early on, one, one issue I had was I like I felt like I was the brewery. So when somebody didn't love a beer, like I would take it personally. But you learn to get away from that pretty quickly, or you just go nuts. Yeah, I think that's a very normal right. thing to do because you've invested so much of yourself into right, this. Right, right. If, if someone doesn't like it, it like it, it would be probably next to impossible at first to not just... To not focus yeah. on it. Like, like, yeah, I was telling my friends right after we opened, like, oh, how's it going? And they're like, good, good. And, you know, I, I would bring up, like, a Yelp review or an untapped review. And they were like, oh, it's not a big deal. And, I, and, like, I guess the analogy I made for them, like, what if I could, like, file, like, a Yelp review for you as a friend? <laughs> like, you're like, I'm, I'm supposed to meet you at 3 p.m. It's, like, 3.15. I was like, oh, one star, late, late. <laughs> doesn't follow through <laughs> doesn't, on promises. Doesn't follow through, yeah. <laughs> All right, so we're going to take another real quick break to thank our newest sponsor, um, District East. They're an amazing uh, beer store in Frederick, Maryland. Um, and once we get back, um, maybe we'll talk a little bit about more about reviews. District East is located on the 800 block of East Street, next to Rockwell Brewing Company and Family Meal. Choosing from their large selection of craft beer, you can create a custom six-pack suited to your taste. 
With tastings every Friday night and Saturday afternoon, Crowler and Growler fills available and kegs to go, it's a beer drinker's paradise. Their knowledgeable and helpful staff will help guide you to the perfect beer or wine for any occasion. They have been selected by many breweries to host limited and exclusive beer releases, which made them the obvious choice to feature my collaboration beers. Stop in and see them for yourself. So have you um, have you received any of the, uh, just like a complete skewering from Yelp or TripAdvisor or any of those? Occasionally, and it's always, it's never... I don't know if this is going to sound wrong. It's never about something I would take offense on. Like, people get angry, and they need to vent. And yeah. I get that. I might have done that once in my <laughs> life. Um, but it's more just people are angry about something that happened more so than they're, they're really attacking what we're working towards. Like, we always want to make all the customers happy. Um, but I, I just remember one one review in particular that got a bunch of a bunch of people talking about it was, I know there's a big debate over children in breweries. Um, where some people, if you're not for it, you feel like you go to a brewery and it feels like a daycare. And if you're on the other side of it, you're like, oh, my kids are well behaved. I'd want to bring, include them in what I'm doing. It's something to do. It's a family activity. And there's probably some correctness somewhere in the middle. Um, but there was one, I think it was around Halloween last year, and we had somebody come in. Um, and the kid was, we had like a, a serve yourself candy jar, like, oh, you buy a beer help yourself to a, a candy oh, I remember this now and then <laughs> and then apparently uh so when, when I, I reviewed I actually had to go back and review the, the video to see what actually happened but um the kid was like yanking the the candy bowl and tossing it around and spilling stuff everywhere and I think all all the the mom saw was our bartender who looks like he could like bench press a small truck uh <laughs> and he was wearing a, a tank top at the time, and, and but she, probably one of the most gentle people. Oh one, yeah, yeah. He, usually he wouldn't hurt a fly. <laughs> uh, and, and the favorite part of the review was like, "Oh, this this bartender attacked my child," uh, and she and it's the guy in the muscle tank. So ever, ever since then, we just call him Muscle Tank. Um, Have you released a beer named Muscle Tank yet? We almost did. You probably uh, should. We're, we're thinking about it. Uh, he doesn't work here any longer, not because of that. Uh, he's moving. But we, we might, before he moves, uh, s- send him off with a muscle tank beer. Yeah, it, and it should be like some sort of adjunct. Uh, it, it, it's stout yeah, like a, can, a candy yeah. bar stout. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it, it's stuff like that where people just get, get angry and they need an outlet for that. And I don't take it personally. I investigate things like that, like when somebody says, like, oh, my kid was assaulted. Oh, yeah, I mean, like, you definitely... Right, camera on, let's, yeah. let's check this. And I was like, oh, oh someone's just angry, and, and, and you move on from that. Um, I've never felt, like, personally attacked or really up- upset by a, a review, though. The, um, the people who leave reviews on Yelp and TripAdvisor really put effort into their criticism, usually. They do. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's usually very... It's either so incredibly detailed or it's just so like you can't do anything with it and and like a lot of times it'll be some review like you can't even it's hard to process it'll be like oh uh great beer great staff um they didn't have a sign on the road two stars (laughs) and then it'll be like well i didn't i didn't find a beer i liked you know too many too many ipas or this or or, or that, and then, you know, five stars. It's like, I, it, I just can't connect yeah. how you go from a, a number to the words, but sometimes it's just, it's hard to, it's hard to take it all in. So did, um, when that happened, I, I don't remember, did people pile on 
to attack you also just taking that person's word or so did it? for for that specific one i think it happened the other way around i don't think anything ever happened on yelp that review you can probably still find it out there um but i don't think anybody really res- i think i responded to it um just to you know the professional here's what happened we're sorry you didn't feel that way come back and if you want to talk um I know when that review happened, I think somebody posted it online, kind of almost like poking fun at it. And then we got a bunch of reviews out of nowhere, like on a day we're closed about people saying like good things to like counteract <laughs> it. Like it's like, a, it, it was a weird like rallying cry. Like, oh, that's, that's my favorite brewery, like this and that. And they all kind of, all, all their reviews would be like, it was really long. And at the end they would say something about kids taking candy or something. And it was just like, it, it makes it hard to, to take Yelp as a whole very yeah. seriously, but yeah, it's, it's a very interesting world to be a part of. Like, this is stuff I never thought would have even been like passing through my mind. But so that that's um, the, the one thing you just said. It I find interesting too, where it relates back to where you said that you had a hard time not taking criticism personally, right? When like a lot of beer fans seem to take like if you say something bad about their brewery the brewery that they have chosen yeah. as their favorite right. one it becomes a personal attack on them also if you anything's negative said about it pretty much yeah like uh i, I know i signed up for the uh it's like maryland beer drinkers club the facebook or yeah. group club i always say the wrong one um and that's a good place to follow for feedback see what's going on in the community see what people want what they don't want um but yeah, it seems like everybody has like their the one that they're championing for, and they can't do any wrong. And if somebody doesn't like a beer from us, and Black Flag is their favorite brewery, like there's like a back and forth that you know it's just something that we never expected. Um, but I don't know if it's a good thing. I don't know if it's a bad thing for people to care that that strongly and want to defend things. But I can guarantee that you know uh, the, the 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 brewery, the brewers, the brewery owners, the the people that work at the breweries they're not they're not offended by you know constructive criticism um it and you know everyone has a favorite but we're not like contentious with each other so you just uh, you have been doing an amazing job of creating the segues for me today (laughs) because one of one of my questions for you is going to be um a lot of people i talk to um avoid um, Facebook or the Maryland beer drinkers group, like the plague. Yeah. But you have definitely embraced it. Um, what, what makes you want to take that approach as, as opposed to not wanting to be involved? Right. I could see that depending on your personality and the, the time and effort you want to put into it, either being a good or a bad decision. Like if, if you just want to come and, you know, pile on and say when an event is and then ignore people when they respond or they don't like something, you know, I think that's, that's, you're kind of seen as a, a billboard or, you know, this is just a, a promotional thing. But when you can actually, if, if you have, if you have the, the time to sit down and talk to people, especially when they don't like something and you can explain what happened or try and get more information from them. Um, you know, I think people appreciate having that kind of direct route. And, you know, it, it, as long as you're more than just a billboard or, you know, you, you're treating it as a place to dump all your ads and, you know, yeah. places happening and, and there's some actual sense of community there, I think it can be a good thing. But if, if, you, if you can't do all that, you just want to do part of it, it's probably not going to be worthwhile. Well, I think um, part of it maybe too is that you do an amazing good job of having thick skin because oh, I've, yeah, like I've I, seen you reply, like someone will post something just like over the top <laughs> negative 
and you'll reply right. like the nicest way possible asking for right. information right. to there's, there's, how to fix it. There's two sides to that. One is like I'm I'm 99% unoffendable. Like I'm not going to take it personally. Like you're not attacking me. It's, you don't like this beer. I don't like every beer that we put out. I, I have critiques on pretty much everything. Um, but the other, I guess for the 1% where I'm like, I might actually be bothered by something, just kill them with kindness. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like what's going to go viral faster? Like is, oh, a brewery owner berates somebody online for not liking their beer. Like you can't pull that in 2019. No. no. And you, they, and that's a, that's a really good way to have then the mob mentality. Right. Right. Of, right. Uh, right. Yeah, I'm pretty much unoffendable, and on the one the one chance or the one time ever, I'll get offended by something. It's like, oh, just there, there's nothing to be gained here from being angry about it, so it's not a big deal. So, your one of your closest neighbors, um, Hysteria, yes, who just had their uh, second anniversary party, um, in the midst of their second anniversary party, had several of their typical problems and <laughs> catastrophes that right. seem to. Um, in fact, uh, I think one of Ty's quotes from that day was, uh, some, something always goes wrong here. Oh yeah. Yeah. So there's always something to go wrong. Have, um, have you had any just complete disasters through, through your two, two, three years? Oh man. We, nothing like there's always something small, like, oh, uh, so one thing, uh, one thing we have to order that's very expensive and very time sensitive is yeast. So we get this little box. Um, you can't see the what I'm doing with my hands. It's a very <laughs> small box. And it'll show up with about $500 worth of yeast. And FedEx likes to come to our door, and our door has our hours on it. And it says we're closed Mondays and Tuesdays. So they see that. They turn around. This yeast oh. has like a shelf life of like 12 hours in that box. <laughs> and then I spend like the rest of my day chasing around a FedEx truck. <laughs> <laughs> so, so stuff like small stuff like that. Luckily, we've been, you know, equipment-wise, we haven't had anything terrible happen. Um, but it's always something small like that, like the stuff that I thought I would spend my time on. Probably ninety percent of the time, I'm chasing a FedEx truck or, <laughs> you know, something like that. That wasn't part of your uh, plan. No, no, I, 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 you know, the business plan. I think I put in like one percent of my time chasing trucks, but um, <laughs> it, it's ended up being a little bit more. So the, what, um, if you were to describe, um, Black Flag's personality or your philosophy on making beer, how, what would your description of it be? I think for, you know, our tap room, I, this is probably going to be a lame comparison, but like, it kind of feels like cheers. Like you, you come in, you recognize people, the bartenders know you, you know, you can have a good conversation there. Um, as far as the beer goes, it's really just kind of anything goes like we have several lanes going where you know there's something always in that lane um you always have some hazy and hoppy uh we're trying to put out more sours you kind of have some some you know if somebody wants walks in and says give me a regular beer like you know we have the the blonde the amber our uh, more traditional ipa stuff like that um so really just you know finding the lanes that we're good out good at and just continuing to pump out stuff and letting everybody have input into it just kind of keeps everything fresh it's not just one person doling out recipes or putting out the same thing all the time it's just mixing it up and letting everybody get a chance at making what they want 
what what's the because it, it's just driving me crazy i can't remember the name of it now but your sour series so we used to have a series called jungle juice that's it and it, it would pretty much be a very similar base recipe and we would mix up the fruit or fruit combinations that went into it we've stepped away from that series but we're uh, we're, we're putting out more and more sours now and we're wow. trying to uh so the series, good. <laughs> people really did like that one. Um, and then we've kind of changed our practices related to sours, uh, where we think we've improved on them enough just to completely separate them. And now we're finding that people want, um, you know, something more than just, you know, here's a sour with a fruit in it. Like for, we're putting, we're brewing one right now, right behind us. We're doing a uh, spiced cranberry sour for the fall, hmm. um, where it'll have like, nutmeg and clove and you know marshmallow and all this lactose stuff yeah i'm just um, gonna go on the record as hating that <laughs> cranberry <laughs> cranberry is a love or hate so we're, we're no it's not the, the cranberry it's everything you said after that right the, the right nutmeg and oh the clove yeah and the, the spices will be light uh you know we're, we the other one we're gonna catch flack for is we are putting out a uh, a pumpkin beer this year but we've done that every year and we we uh as long as your production is in line with the people that want it it's a good thing when you have pumpkin beer on the shelf in in february it's a different story so do you think um are there more people who hate pumpkin beer or more that like it I mean, obviously, I the people who hate it are more vo- pumpkin vocal. beer fans. Uh, I think if you followed the person who says, "Oh, pumpkin beer, it's too soon for that. It's terrible," and then you follow, like you could, you know, put a drone behind them and follow them, they're going to go to the store and buy some pumpkin beer and then put it in the back of their fridge where nobody sees it, or they'll go out with like their, you know, a hoodie on and the hood pulled up, and then they go <laughs> into the bar and order the pumpkin beer. I think there's some some closeted uh, pumpkin beer fans out there. I can guarantee you, you'll never see me purchase a pumpkin beer, <laughs> and it has nothing to do with being too cool yeah, or yeah. because it's trying it's i hate pumpkin pie there's oh no. well that's not a good start then yeah because i was gonna say ours tastes like like pumpkin pie more than pumpkin spices but if, yeah that's that's gonna be a tough sell if you're not but i mean if you pie. if you made an actual beer just with pumpkin in it right then yeah i would drink it right but and the once weird you part throw is like, those spices in then i, we I don't do like put it. pumpkin in but i feel like the contribution that has to flavor is basically zero yeah that's why i'll yeah. drink it yeah because <laughs> <laughs> like, just a beer with some orange stuff floating in it brewer's alley makes one and they call it oh my gourd yeah it, right and it, it just tastes like a good beer right right <laughs> And the, the, I would say Flying Dog's beer was probably the closest to a pumpkin beer I, I remember enjoyed. Like, that's the stronger one, right? I yeah. remember having that year. I haven't had that recently, but I do remember liking that. And they would have that, and I think they did a bourbon barrel aged version of it. Yes. <clears throat> um, but it didn't have much of the spice in it, and that's just right. what I don't like. Right. I think the one, flavors. my favorite one that you could find around here, not that it, it was a local beer, but uh, Schleifli did, did one. Mm. Um and oh, the great pumpkin right or, or they something like that. or that's avery i think um or greater pumpkin or who did greater, greater pump- I'm i don't know there's all too these many. names are running together but the <coughs> there's too many good. pumpkin puns they kind of focused on like the, the the pie crust aspect of it there was like uh vanilla see then that what i would probably like it. yeah yeah because i mean good. it's not like some philo- not philosophical thing yeah. i'm against or like because i'm basic as they come i right. mean i'm sitting here <laughs> drinking starbucks so it's <laughs> yeah a lot of them just i've had that i don't enjoy or just spice bombs it's like oh look we had an amber ale that we're gonna empty our our spice cabinet into and it's yeah. like those, those are the ones that are i'm not a big fan of like pum king i mean i don't know is is that still popular it, like it definitely was at one time it, years ago that was like the fall beer and stores would buy you know a whole wall of it and it would be gone in a day i um, don't like it and I've, <laughs> I've, I've heard that's changed completely like i feel like stores there's now enough pumpkin beers that 
stores are kind of hesitant to buy as much as they used to because they just when they see it on their shelf in February and they're putting it on a discount rack they they remember that pretty vividly. Yeah. <laughs> um so you so we have that look forward to. You have your pumpkin beer. Um but you also have a big Oktoberfest party. We do. Have, right? um, that's coming up on September 14th. Uh, we're doing a triple release now. Originally, it was just going to be our Oktoberfest lager and then our, our, our pumpkin pie ale, Basic B. Um, but now we've actually been able to bring back another one that people liked last year, or actually earlier this year, called Glen Coco. It's our chocolate milk stout. So we're going to be... that I would enjoy. That one's good. It's just a really good, straightforward uh, chocolate milk stout. Um, Probably the one I would compare it to most directly, and it used to be one of my favorite beers, was uh, Terrapin Muhu. I don't know if I've had that. That's, it's just a real good, clean, straightforward chocolate milk stout. So we're, we're releasing a bunch of that cans drafts on the 14th, and then we're, we're socking some away. This time we made an extra batch just to barrel age. Um, we, we did one barrel of it last time around, and people just went nuts for it. So we're going to try and put some of that out in cans around Thanksgiving, Christmas time. So it... Is um, Oktoberfest beer something that people um, get excited for and look look forward they, to? They do in a very different way than when we're putting out hazy beer. When you do a hazy beer, you know we let we open at three p.m. There's the bar's full by three o five. Um, you know we're not one of those breweries that sells out. You know the day of, but you know you can see the stuff flying off the mm-hmm. shelf. People are lining up. People are ordering it. They're in a hurry. Oktoberfest is more of like a like a gentle. Like, oh, it's fall. I'm enjoying this. And people will come in and, and, you know, people will come in three days in one week and order one of them every day. And maybe they'll buy a four pack. So it's not that rush out the door uh, of the cans and the kegs flying off the shelf. But it's, it's, a, it's a steady demand and people are always like happy. It's like a milestone for them. Oh, it's Oktoberfest time. Um, and they just kind of enjoy that. And they'll, they'll, they'll enjoy it very much um, in a very different way than, you know, the trendy stuff. What size batches are you doing? So it really depends. So for the, whenever we do anything sour, right now the biggest we can do is a 20 barrel batch um, based on our processes now. Um, right now for the hazy stuff, uh, we're doing, sometimes we'll do five batches. So it ends up being 100 barrels total. Well, uh, that's why you're not selling out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that does help. So that, that's why a lot of times, a lot of people are surprised to see some of our stuff in distribution. Um, and we don't change the recipe because we have enough to distribute. It's still, you know, just what we would make if we weren't distributing yeah. it. Um, well, now it's not surprising at all. Right, right, right. <laughs> I mean, that's people, a lot like, of beer. I, I, I always enjoy getting calls. Uh, like, let's say we open at 3 p.m. on a Friday and we're having a release. We get calls at 5 p.m. It's like, do you guys still have insert beer name here? And I was like, yes. <laughs> yes, you're good. Don't worry about it. Come on by. So how um, many cases is that? That's, I mean, hundreds so, of cases, right? Yes. So if we're doing, uh, so a lot of times we'll, we, we just got a 60-barrel tank. Um, so a lot of times the biggest we've ever done of one beer is we'll fill a 60 and then when we can harvest the yeast off of that, we'll fill a 40 or actually we do it backwards. We do the 40, grow up the yeast, put it in the 60. Um, but normally out of that, we'll churn out. I think the most we've ever done of one beer is 350 cases of 16 ounce cans. And then we'll, we'll normally hold like 50 of them for the brewery, send them out. Um, but we're also getting into kind of more specialty ones, like where it's kind of too expensive to send out so we'll we'll send out you know 50 cases to the distributor and maybe have 50 in-house and then we're starting to do ones where they're completely in-house 
I mean, now that makes sense for people to call though, because breweries as as a whole have conditioned us. Oh right, right. To like it, the average place that that's doing can releases. Right. It's sixty to hundred or so cases. So yes. you, you do worry about it, but right. you're almost doubling, or, or in some a lot of breweries you're doubling what's right. being produced. Yeah, and that was one of the models that when I was trying to like, oh, what if I can't raise the money to do this? Could we do something smaller and not worry about distribution? And back when I was doing this, just the, or coming up with the plan for it, the thought of, oh, people will come and buy you know eighty cases worth of beer in three hours and buy tickets for it before they even show up so you know it's a sure thing like i'd never would have even processed that as being like a possibility but having seen that you know certain breweries can get away with it certain breweries if you tried it wouldn't really work with what they're putting out um but it's definitely uh, an interesting model and, and we do enjoy the can release days um it's a fun atmosphere in here but uh yeah it's definitely something we're we're, we're sending stuff out to distribution that's definitely part of our model so um can release days have have you seen those increasing? Have they de- like uh, sales um, pe- uh, people in the door volumes? Are are they decreasing, staying the same, going up? Or I think now that people kind of feel out that you don't have to be here the hour that we open yeah. to get the cans that you want. Um, it definitely. I feel like it used to like spike incredibly the day that we released it. And now you kind of see it as like less of a Friday, like slap in the face and the whole weekend and into the next week is kind of like a boost. So it's hard to say, I know we're busier overall. Um, I just see that from having to pay taxes on all the tap here every month. Um, yeah, I guess that's another tough gauge because just by the nature of being around longer, more people come in. So there's so many factors, right. uh, like we try and do all these things to keep people interested in getting them coming in. But whenever we do one specific thing, I can never point to it and say this helped or this hurt just because so much stuff is going on and we've just been here longer and people know who you are. And even if I did nothing, more people would know about us, you know, a week from now than they did last week. So it's, it's hard to point to one thing and say this is getting better, going faster, getting slower down because of that. But Yeah, I've just, uh, I mean, there's, there's been a lot of talk of that lately at least conversations i've had it is that um is that a part of craft beer culture that's kind of going away the line life the can release like the frenzied right. can releases because there are so many places that are doing, doing, them. doing it now and then places like you that are there's no urgency right like right you you're making enough to go around to send out to market yeah yeah and that was i think that's part of our our strategy that's gone really well um like i it for for our, our sales team and our, our distributor um you know th- there's the beers that we make all the time like our blondale our ipa that you can see the demand for that kind of like slowly growing just kind of as awareness goes up and then you see whenever we can dump something new and trendy in, into the market they just really seem to, to, to eat that up so I'm, I'm curious how long it'll last where uh i don't think anyone's really doing it in the size that we're doing it now and i think that's been an advantage to us i'm curious how long that'll last um and i feel like people are probably seeing the same thing for the for kind of the line life breweries where now that more breweries are putting out cans um, you know, everyone has their favorites and, you know, everyone's good at different things, but I wonder if they're seeing kind of their ceiling coming down because everybody else is kind of raising up from the bottom yeah. and starting to put stuff out. And 
at the same quality, same right, sought, right. Like same sort of sought after beers. And when you're not massive, the the good thing is you don't need to rely on that. So the breweries that are you know putting out cans, like it's a benefit to be able to have people buy that many cans in one day. But also you're you're not invested in some hundred thousand square foot brewery somewhere where you know if you rely on that, it's going to be hard because right now just treat that as like a benefit. And yeah. if, if if things slow down. E- e- even if you're doing half of that, you're still paying the rent. Now you have your own canning line, correct? Yes, that was a that was a big point for us because before, even just from a scheduling per- perspective, having the mobile canner come in um, and just what that costs. Like, if we would have charged what we wanted to charge to make what we needed to make, um, we would our, our cans would have been outrageously expensive on on the shelf. Uh, so we just kind of knew what you know. Eventually, we're going to have our own line. Here's what it should be priced at once we buy our own line. Let's just, you know, take it on the chin and, and bear it for a year while we do mobile canning. Um, and and it, it was a, I don't want to knock mobile canning. Uh, the quality of the services was great. Um, the beer held up good. Uh, and it, it's kind of a good proof of concept that, oh, people do want the cans. This, yeah. you know, just the whole time it was like cutting the checks for that was kind of hard. What is the percentage breakdown of your sales between t- tap room and distribution? I feel like our first year, uh, it was probably 90 to 95% tap room. And then year two was probably like 60 to 70%. And now I think we're dipping below half in terms, okay. of, in terms of dollars. I don't have the volume numbers off the top of my head. It'd probably be much, much lower in the tap room if you're going by volume. Okay. Because yeah, it, I mean, the the few times I've been here when you're open, it's pretty busy. Yeah, we definitely have. Uh, it's kind of evened out. Like we used to be very. Our busy days were like elbow to elbow, and then you know you'd come in here on a Wednesday and you know you you serve two pints <laughs> or something ridiculous. So it's it's definitely the. I feel like the it's been less sporadic and just kind of trending up overall, where it's always like a decent crowd, but never anything like outrageous. So you mentioned um, the kid debate mm-hmm. earlier. It, was that part of your strategy for opening next door to a daycare <laughs> place? Can people just drop their kids right, off there? Right. It wasn't part of the strategy, uh, but we are surrounded by a bunch of kid-friendly stuff. So I'm not surprised we do get, I think, you know, a, a decent showing from families in here because we are next to a trampoline place, a ninja obstacle place, and a swimming school. Um, sometimes there's not hours overlaps on when on when we're open, um, but it, it was not part of the strategy. I feel like being in Columbia, if you took a very anti-child approach, it wouldn't go well for you, just because yeah, you know, this, this is like the a, demographic. Of... Right, right, and I, I can side with with both both sides of it. You know, everyone has points to be made, but uh, I don't think there's any reason for us ever to outright ban kids i think there are you know a couple bad apples in terms of people like to point to like oh one person you know screaming or their kids running around and knocking over other people's beer or this or that but it, you know you can point to anything like there's adults that act bad in here yeah. and there's dogs that act bad and you can't just you know you got to put there's rules jerks in, place. in every demographic right yeah 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 so some breweries have put in kind of what i would call adult swim yeah rules where it's like all right um after six, seven, eight, whatever time you want to pick in the afternoon, uh, you got to be 18 and up or 21 and up, whatever you're trying to do. Um, but you, you don't do that though, right? You're no, just always... we've, there's been a couple times where we've thought about doing that. Um, 
but for, for the most part, we've just kind of instituted, you know, if, if something looks like it's becoming an issue, we'll, our bartenders will have a conversation with you. Rip the candy out of their hands. Y- yeah, yeah, you know. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, we watch Yelp nervously for an hour, and then, you know, we move on with our life. But, uh, yeah, for the most, it, it, it can be an awkward conversation to have. Nobody wants to tell somebody yeah. how to parent. And we're not telling them how to parent. It's just, hey, keep an eye on, on this going down. You yeah. might not be aware of this. Um, but, yeah. And we have that conversation with adults. We'll have it with parents will have it with dog owners we'll have it with whoever just to try and keep everybody happy um so where um where should people go to keep up to date on what you're doing really facebook is probably the one i'm best at keeping updated our our website right now is a little spartan um there's we'll put up some event information there uh, but it'll really just send you to facebook um so Facebook is where we post the most and most up-to-date stuff. Check out our event page or just, you know, our random post if you want to see what's going on in, in, in the back of the brewery. And you have um, several regular events that you do. Like you have, you have is a mug. We do. Mug um, night. Right. So Wednesday is bring your own mug night. Uh, and it's also now small batch Wednesday. So Wednesday without fail is bring your own mug night. You can bring a mug. Um, from home, something you like, something a little bit, bit bigger than we would normally fill, so you get a little bit more for your money, um, and we'll fill beers with it. If you bring in something ridiculous, if you bring in like a literal two-liter boot, we'll have to charge you some multiple <laughs> there. But for, for the most part, uh, you can bring in a cool mug. Um, and then it's also Small Batch Wednesday. So every Wednesday, we try and either put out uh, a beer we brewed on our pilot system or like a variant of a beer that we've already made. Um, so for example, like we do our brunch stout, um, year round and a few weeks back, we, we infused it with stuff to kind of make it taste like tiramisu. And we also have a one barrel pilot system, um, where when we have time, we'll churn out stuff for that and release it on, on Wednesday. So without fail, you know, our, you can come in on a Wednesday and expect to get something that you wouldn't have had any time before that. Um, Thursdays now we're doing a happy hour from three to six. Uh, just to get people in here early. That was one, one of our, our slower days, uh, and people always like a little bit of a discount on beer. And then we tend to put, uh, all, all of our releases tend to be on Fridays, and it seems like we're doing one at least every other week now. So it's pretty easy to find something to do here. Do all of your beers go through the one pilot, one barrel pilot system in development, or do some of them go straight to the... It, so it depends. So if, we're, if we ever wanted to try something extremely weird... Uh, we would probably run it through the pilot system just to see how that concept worked. Uh, certain ones where we're kind of staying within a lane, like our rotating green series of hazy IPAs, you know, we'll make small tweaks to the base and completely change the hops. We more or less have a feel for how it's going to react. We'll just go right from big brew to big brew and try that. Um, and then occasionally, like, we'll do, uh, we do like a, a bartender series of beers where the bartenders just based on what they want to do, what they've heard from customers, just get to come up with a concept completely. And, you know, maybe they don't know how to write the recipe, which makes sense, but they can talk about the concepts and the flavors and this and that and the alcohol that they want and the aromas. Um, so we'll do those on the pilot system. And sometimes those will go over well enough where, you know, you'll try something on a small batch Wednesday, it'll be gone by Thursday. And then randomly three months later, you'll see it on a shelf. In a a whole bunch store. of it. Yeah. A whole bunch of it. The um, were you the one who posted recently about um, Galaxy hops and the yes. quality of them? Yeah, they. I feel like Galaxy. Whenever a hop goes from not obscurity, but it 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 hits peak demand. Everybody wants it. 
people see the price of it going through the roof. I feel like it was what roughly like three thousand dollars an ounce or something. yeah, it was pretty much you know don't put gold under your bed. Put yeah, yeah. You know, there's a handful of hops now that are just outrageously expensive, and I, I, I think people are. It's it's hard to I don't know much about the farming and harvesting of hops, but I've 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 heard from some people that do that you know if you don't do it just right. Um, and you're not going to get it just right every time. You know, if you have, you know, hundreds of acres of something and you got to harvest it all, maybe you can't do it all in the same day. And it's like, oh, this day it was at peak, peak bloom or freshness or whatever you want to call it. And then the next day it's, it's past that. So there's a lot, um, there's a lot of factors that go into it. And if you're a big brewery and you buy a, you know, a little literal tons of hops, you can go out, you can do like site selection you can you know like on the commercial where they it sam rubs, adams guy yeah. rubs the hops in his hands like nobody's inviting us to do that <laughs> um but you know when, when you can go to the source and kind of test stuff out and get the these they call them brewers cuts where they can send you samples of hops and you can point and say all right i want the hops from that hill on that day and this and that um when all these smaller breweries um just kind of have to order whatever the bigger breweries are selling off. You know, you can contract Because you're just pretty much just watching the markets. Yeah. And a lot of them are secondary hot markets, right? Most people at our size are relying completely on the secondary market. They might have some contracts on hops that they know they use a lot of. Like this will be, this upcoming year will be the first year we have any hops contracted. So for our first three years, whenever we needed hops, I hope they were available on the secondary market. So, you know, let's say, um, what's a big brewery in there? Like Trogues bought too much of this. Okay, good. I'll buy some of that. And, uh, that'll get me through the first couple of years. And you just kind of hope that it's available. Um, but you know, the, the danger of that is, you know, let's say you have, a you know, a flagship recipe that's going out and everybody wants that to be the same all the time. And now you can't get that hop you're kind of out of luck so you, you got to start contracting them which is basically t- telling you know a farmer or or a hop company i'm promising to buy this much this year and you just kind of have to guess how much you're going to need so we've started contracting it but i couldn't even get a, a contract on galaxy if i wanted to just because there's so much demand for it so the problem is the people who do get the galaxy maybe they got a lot or like a like a, a crop of it that they weren't thrilled about they'll put that on the market and there's no way for me to know before i get it oh that's a good crop that's not a good crop and for galaxy specifically we found that you know this luckily we're completely through and unfortunately we we used it all in pretty much one batch of beer that uses so much of it so it it was unfortunate for it to have that off flavor Um, some people pick up on it some people don't and i'm unfortunately somebody who doesn't yeah, so there are a lot of the off flavors that people will pick up a lot that right. I'm not sensitive yeah, to. Yeah, there like certain people that work here um, pick up on some things and not on others. So you know, we, we try and have everybody taste everything. But yeah, it, it, it it's hard when when you're getting these, especially these hops that kind of you know people see the dollar signs in their head. Like, oh, I bought this for twelve bucks a pound because I'm a big brewery. Now I can sell it for thirty bucks a pound. That's better than turning that into beer. They're just yeah. deal hops all day. Um, so, yeah, there, there are certain ones I feel like as demand goes through the roof, you know, maybe it's harder to meet that demand and maintain the quality for the entire crop. So you're going to see, I think, more and more of that. So, so okay, you think that may be like an actual trend of a problem that... Like a lot to... of people, I feel like the, the first hop to really go through this in recent history was Citra. Um, you know, it started out as a small crop, you know, oh, let's 
you know, make this aroma hop. Oh, it, it tastes good. It smells, it, you can literally use it for everything and it makes every beer great. Um, and the flavor profile that people wanted for the longest time, like if you just made all citra beers, you could sell those all day long. And when the price of it was reasonable, you could do that. And people think, you know, even, you know, famous breweries that put out this all citra beer, like if you tried it back in 2008 and you try it now, it's like, Citra has become its different thing as people try and pump it out fast enough to meet demand. Okay. Kind of like bananas. Like, apparently bananas now don't taste at all like what bananas tasted like. I haven't there. heard, that, like, back in the back in the day, like, 150 years ago? or like I don't even think it was that long ago. Oh, really? Because well, I think they're, they're either now they're Cavendish is the type of banana yeah or that's what they used to be okay and there was some kind of fungus or a disease right. that took out all of the banana crops right and they had through i think genetic modified uh, they so it it made them all susceptible to it right and so they scrambled to find another that banana variant that wouldn't it a little different and that's what that's the banana we have now okay and it's not nearly as the same flavor right. right and i don't know if this part that part i know all that's true the part i'm not positive about i think i've heard that like what we had like banana laffy taffy right. or banana flavored things are what bananas used to taste like all right I could see that, you know, some, something similar with, with hops happening because I feel like every five to ten years there's some big hop crisis where, oh, you know, the weather was terrible and stuff didn't, you know, reach, you know, the yield that they wanted or, you know, the mildew or some insect came along and wiped yeah. out certain crops in certain parts of the world. And the farmers, you know, you know they, they can say like, oh, I want to I wanna make the best tasting citra possible or the best tasting galaxy or... I can start planting this one that was bred to resist this and this, but it, eh, it tastes 90% as good, and then you just keep going down that trail. And I, I don't know enough about hop farming practices to know if that's true, but I, I could see people wanting to prevent some of these big crises that can put a farm out of business to trade off where, oh, it doesn't taste like it used to, but... Yeah, like as you build strains that are less susceptible to like i think what downy mildew is the big thing for hops yeah that's that, a lot of them it's like aphids downy mildew i don't know how you make something resistant to aphids but the mildew thing yeah i know certain certain strands of or, or, or breeds of hop are resistant to that naturally and if you can somehow snip a little bit from that and incorporate it into it maybe that's what's going on i'm not too sure honestly and it, i guess furthering in the problem too like when you're by hop buying the hops do you know what region they're from or when you're on the secondary market you don't even know you that can, a lot of times they'll advertise the region um so a lot of times just based on who the supplier is and what the 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 type of hop you can kind of tell where they came from because um, the like the same hop sometimes will have completely different characteristics yes, yeah. depending on what right. region it's grown right. in too yeah. correct I've, I've always wanted to do a side by side like there's a couple there's a couple varieties that you know, are grown here and they've started growing them in places like New Zealand or South Africa. And it's the same thing. It just, it grows well there too. And I'm, I'm sure it's a completely different thing. Like if you had grapes grown in Maryland and made that into wine and then literally moved that plant to California, planted it on the perfect hill and this and that and grew it. And, you know, I'm sure that there's an aspect of that that will completely change it, even though it's the same kind of genetic base. So what is, at this moment, what is your favorite Maryland beer that isn't produced by Black Flag? Favorite Maryland beer. I'm honestly excited for all the Oktoberfests coming out. I feel like uh, 
this time of year, like I know, I think Union's about to to release one. I've heard yeah. good things about that. Um, I feel like I see so many of these things on Facebook, and I never know the names of them. But pretty much everyone's Oktoberfest. I'm, I'm excited for. Old Mothers is coming out, um, and they're also having a big um, Oktoberfest party. Mm-hmm. I, I should look up the day of that, but I'm super excited for that because. Um, Roast House Pub is doing all the food for it, mm. and they're going to have a 10-ounce Bavarian pretzel. And oh, nice. I absolutely love <laughs> soft pretzels. So actually, yeah, like one, it, you, you have to have one to go with that first Oktoberfest of the year. It's on October 6th, so I'm excited to go to that. because try and swing by for that. But one. more for the 10-ounce <laughs> <laughs> soft it's pretzel. It's a hearty pretzel. Than, it's a hearty yeah. pretzel. <laughs> um, do you have anything else coming up that you want to talk about since I'm actually releasing <laughs> this <laughs> this episode right away and not sitting so on it for a right, while? The main thing I already mentioned was our, our Oktoberfest and triple can release. Uh, we'll have bands, uh, food trucks, yeah, well, three cans coming out, um, and that'll be on the 14th of September. Um, and then after that, the, the next big events we're going to have will be in November. We're going to have a Friendsgiving event the Wednesday before Thanksgiving, so keep an eye out for that. We're going to release some interesting barrel-aged stuff, do a couple can releases. Uh, and then we'll have a, a Black Friday uh, release as well. We're still figuring out the details for that. Um, and then I think our, probably our most popular beer of the year, and, and it, it's always odd to me because it's released so out of season, is uh, Black Mage. It's our big 13% imperial stout aged uh, in bourbon and maple barrels. Everybody was flipping out about that. So we've brewed, we're brewing more of that. Um, we can't release, because it needs so much time in the barrels, more of it until February. So it'll be coming out. But what we're going to do this time is we're releasing a special variant of it, non-barrel aged um, and aged on uh, toffee. So oh, that'll cool. be out potentially black. That might be the Black Friday beer if, it, if, if we can get that done in time. So you can get to try it unaged, unbarrel aged, uh, you know, and with toffee just to kind of mix it up. Um, and then you, if you like Black Mage, you'll probably like that one as well. All right, well, thank you for uh, surrendering, surrendering to my <laughs> constant harassment. Thank you. And if you can just give me the key for these handcuffs, I would love <laughs> um, it. And uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, cheers. Cheers. The Uncapped Podcast is produced by Graham Cullen and me, Chris Sands. Be sure to like us on Facebook, and if you've enjoyed these podcasts, please leave us a review on Google Play or the iTunes Store. A special thanks to Double Motorcycle for providing our theme music. Thanks for listening. Oh my god, that's good.